Good morning, Arizona. Why don't y'all come on around the side here with me and see who we have outdoors today. It is 8 o'clock, our outdoor living hour, and we work hard to bring you a variety of all things related to the outdoor living world around us. The first Saturday of the month, we're going to have the Farm Bureau in starting in 2017. They took a year off as they were going through a little bit of restructuring. They have a new president and what used to be a 17 billion dollar industry is now a 23 billion dollar industry industry to the state of Arizona. And each month they'll come in and talk about what's currently in harvest and where you can find it locally, everything from citrus to carrots and dairy and corn. So we're looking forward to that. The second Saturday of the month, which we're in right now, we had we were talking trees with Mr. John Eisenhower as he's climbing down out of his uh, pomegranate with a basket full of uh, ripe, fresh harvest for us. We'll let you call in at one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. You can text questions to 411-923. If you need help with plant, tree, or insect identification, you can email pictures to info at rosieonthehouse.com. Third Saturday, Saturday of the month, next week, Jay Harper will be in of the Farm's Choice, and we'll have Greg Peterson, your urban farmer, in on the fourth Saturday. So each month you get a different uh, view and peek and perspective about things out that are that are living around us and that we can enjoy and take advantage of. And <clears throat> are you gonna do your your speed peel on your pomegranate again for us today? <laughs> if, <laughs> if you missed that, we actually got two mics in that seat. Sorry, You're on your far left. Yep, there you go. Hit that on the button. There you, there you go. There we go. Sorry. I got you in the co-pilot seat today and didn't show you how to push all the right buttons. <laughs> well, yes, we're going to talk a little bit about pomegranates and other trees that lose their leaves this time of year. Give us a little bit of fall color here in the valley. Uh, we're going to talk about composting, a little bit about holiday lights, a little bit about pruning, although we're going to kind of lighten the dosage of pruning this time of year. And we'll talk on all sorts of stuff today. It's a great day, beautiful day, uh, amazing 87 degrees coming up here in the next couple of days. Doesn't quite feel like fall, does it? So no. This is a summer that just keeps on giving. <laughs> just, just going on. Even though on. we didn't ask for it. <laughs> well, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I just got back from visiting my daughter in New York City last week, and it's starting to get a little bit chilly there in the, in the mornings. And it was so nice getting up today and having a beautiful, beautiful Arizona morning. You got mamas and papas singing in the back of my head now. (laughs) All the trees are brown. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all the trees are kind of brown now. You know, it's interesting because have you noticed a lot of plants have a kind of a renaissance this time of year? Our Wedelia and our begonias by the front door, which were kind of languishing over the last couple of months. I wondered if they would even survive summer at all they're on the north side of our house so they don't get a lot of sun until late afternoon they get a little bit of that western sun that finally hits them but they've just been you know looking terrible all of a sudden they look beautiful it looks like a new a new plant just this just that cooler weather helps to revive the wedelia some of your flowering shrubs uh the begonies as i said and uh even the roses you know it's one when they put on they, they get through that that last bit of the summer and they'll even put on a fall bloom, uh, just a little celebration of that cooler weather. So that's really cool. 
On the other hand, about that same time, a lot of the deciduous trees uh, start to lose their leaves. There's a hormonal differences in plants, and this um, uh, this one hormone that's responsible for leaves changing color gets real active, and it actually causes the leaves to excise and fall off the trees. And that accounts for all this beautiful fall color we have. People say, well, there's really no fall color in Arizona, at least in the low desert, and I would beg to differ. You just have to know where to go to find it. Uh, if you are interested in putting in plants that give you some fall color, think about the Chinese pistache. Be thinking about an ash tree, maybe a red oak. Oaks are not as common, but um, go to the nursery and request a red oak. You see them around more often now, and they're beautiful. They're yeah. absolutely beautiful. Is that the Texas red oak? No. It's it's just a red it's oak. It's called okay. a, just a red oak. It's not uh, to be confused with the Texas live oak, okay. which is fully you know evergreen. Uh, but no, this red oak is a beautiful op, um, option. Crepe myrtle gives a nice uh, fall color. Honey locust. Uh, and of course, my, the tree of the month I want to feature today, today is a pomegranate. These are all p uh, trees that, that give a nice, most of those are yellow, but the, the pistache and the red oak are red. And if you uh, specifically are looking for a, a, a little bit of fall color in your yard to give some accent, those would be some good choices. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, go ahead. I want to talk a little bit about just the elevation changes here in the valley. Uh, if if you do want, if you're if you're really uh, eager for some a little more dramatic fall color, of course you can go to Sedona, you can go to Flagstaff, you can go to Payson, but you don't have to even go that far to find a little bit more uh, uh, fall color than we get here. Just go up to the Verde Salt River Valley. Just up, you know, take a, a drive up the uh, um, uh, the uh, 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 the, the what's the route down through Tortilla Flats and I can't think of the name of it now. Um, oh man, Roosevelt Lake. Yeah, Apache I'll Lake, Canyon Lake, Swirl Lake. Um, it uh, turns to dirt, but just in about all of the right canyon and all the all the, the canyons. Fish Creek uh, Canyon for one. Uh, it's just loaded with cottonwood trees and incredibly beautiful fall color this time of year. If you are live close to, if you're in the North Scottsdale area and you you're or close to Cave Creek or Carefree, you can c continue on Cave Creek Road all the way up to Seven Springs, uh, just a, maybe 15 or 20 miles, uh, some beautiful country road up there, and there's some awesome fall color. Again, a lot of cottonwoods up there, a lot of desert willow, and this time of year, a lot of those tr trees are changing colors. Go up to Sycamore Creek, go up the Black, black you know, the Beeline Highway, um, maybe up toward the Sunflower area. And, of course, you've got, a, again, not very far, only an hour or so out of town, and you'll find some really good fall color if you want to find some really great trees. One more thing. I need to mention Boyce Thompson Arboretum. Again, up to su towards Superior Globe, uh, 50 miles east of Phoenix. Some incredible fall color. Again, you're getting just a little bit higher elevation than the low desert, and you'll get a lot more variety of, of trees and a lot more uh, opportunity to see some fall color. That could be your loop. Go out towards Globe on 60. There you go. Go up to Roosevelt, and you could keep going up 188 and catch the Beeline Highway and come back. Or you can jump off on 88. That's your tortilla flat you were talking about that goes right. along the river and come back into Apache Junction. That That'd would be a be, nice little route. It would be a, a beautiful nice day trip. Sure. Uh, 
weather for that route too. Right, and this this time of year, a lot of the the tr- traditional places for fall color, like Flagstaff and so- Sedona, have already seen their fall color in September, October. But this time, it's starting to the the fall color is uh, uh, is further in the lower the lower elevations. So we still have a chance here in November to be catching a lot of good fall color, even right around Thanksgiving. And you don't have to and go far to find it. If you really wanted it, you could keep going past Globe. Once you hit uh, Marinci, go north on 191 and go up to Hannigan Meadow. Now, this may be a two-day trip because this is a long drive. It, it takes a <laughs> long time to get to eastern Arizona. But, man, that 191 up to Springerville from Marinci is y- – you got it. That, that's got to be on your Arizona bucket list. And you, then you're getting up into your Aspens. Sure. And – all your pines and, and your high mountains. I know. We took a trip to Blue, Arizona, right up in that same area mm-hmm. of eastern Arizona. It's beautiful, beautiful part of the state. You can get Aspens into Flagstaff, but if you want to feel remote and you want to see just how big this world is and feel pretty small, go go 191. Well, that's it's really a great idea. I mean, even as Dolan was saying, you know, southern Arizona is kind of the forgotten part of the state, that eastern uh, part of the state equally beautiful but kind of neglected once you people go as far as pine top sholo but they very seldom get uh, to alpine springerville and then go south along that eastern mm-hmm. border of the state yeah it's a really a beautiful part and southern arizona you have a lot of uh, accommodations you can pull into bisbee tombstone sierra vista herford uh, elgin patagonia there's nothing to pull into from Alp- from Alpine to Marinci. Hannigan's Meadows your only option, but yeah. th- there's nothing to pull into there. You've well, got a lot of have your trees. water, have your food, have your ice chest, those have are, a can of gas. Well, those in our Tucson area, you know, can you know make it easily down to the Tombstone area. There's some beautiful um, uh, uh, riparian areas along the San Pedro River. Incredible fall color right now, and a lot of great hiking trails. We were just down there a month or so ago. Kim and I visited a friend in uh, Sonoita, and, and we just love that area. Lots of hiking trails and beautiful fall color, lots of huge sycamores and, and cottonwoods that, that just really uh, uh, amazing. There's fact, that they have this beautiful monster cottonwood tree that's there. It's now fenced off, so you can't go around it because it's so big. It's, you know, I think 35, 40 feet or, uh, in circumference. It takes about 15 people arm to arm to, to go around the, the trunk of the, the tree, and it's a beautiful specimen. They kind of keep uh, in kind of an observation area because it's so dramatic and beautiful, but it's a little so old, a little bit too dangerous to get right up under the canopy. But that's and right, right, up, right near Tombstone, Sierra Vista. Mm-hmm. And and that's a uh, Sonoida. I mean, you you go down there and you find a a creek or a dry river bed that's you know, lined with oaks on each side, and just step into it. You feel like you've gone back into time. It's very, very mystical area. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Well, All part of the great trees that are right here in our own backyard. Yeah, speaking of our own backyard, lots to be talking about today. Um, we want to be thinking about composting leaves this time of year. As the leaves are falling, now is a good time to be even building yourself a little compost uh, bin. Uh, you can make them as simple as using some chicken wire and throwing some leaves in, or you can make them out of some, uh, you know, some wooden pallets, or you can just rake them up in a pile. Put them up in a corner of the yard. Put them up in a pile. Layer your fallen leaves with a little bit of your mowed grass. Take your grass clippings. Lay those in, uh, kind of layering the, the brown and the green, the brown and the green, the dried leaves and some green grass, some dried leaves, some grass clippings. Add a little bit of water. 
and boom, you've got a compost recipe that'll be just perfect. All the leaves are brown. But isn't the song set in New that's, York like you were last week? <laughs> that's too... No, no, no. Get that off. Get that off. It's too beautiful out. We'll wait for, for the next month to, to go with the gray skies. Yeah, you know, when I lived in London, England for, for four years, and it was 300 days of dreary gray skies or rain or overcast. And the, and the, the gray skies was a low ceiling. And here in Arizona, it's 300 days of sunshine and maybe 30 days of cloud or rain. And I sure like this. I'll take this option any day of the week. Hey, I wanted to mention about the pomegranate tree. The reason it's one of my very favorite trees is because it's manageable size. It's really a large shrub. And it can get pretty pretty tall. Multi-trunked Yeah, shrub. multi-trunk. Comes up from the ground, multi-stems. It can grow to be 15, maybe 20 feet tall. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned me climbing down out of my pomegranate. I meant, like, stepping out from underneath <laughs> all the, all the di- you know, climbing in there trying to get your fruit. And- Interestingly, <laughs> I have a customer who uh, has a pomegranate tree in an irrigated backyard, and it's about 30, 40 feet across. Wow. It, it's amazing. It's, it's about 20 feet tall, and it just grows like a big shrub, and, and she sprawls in this big lawn. She has a lawn area where it can grow. So there are some big ones out there. That one's loaded with lots of fruit every year. But what I like about it is it produces something for you. It produces an edible fruit, and it has a beautiful red, dark red bloom as well. So it's a flowering shrub or small tree. Uh, so it gives you some beauty when it's in its bloom cycle. Then several months later when the, the, when the fruit is ripened, you've got a be- these beautiful ornaments on the tree. Uh, red ornaments, you know, right in, right up into the fall season. You might, many people will have those pomegranates on their trees right now at uh, at Thanksgiving, and you can pull them off and have them as part of your Thanksgiving meal. Uh, and they're just an incredible uh, one of those return on your investment ROI trees that uh, gives you something back. What I like about them too is they're so easy to plant. They're one of those. This is a great time of year, by the way, to put in pomegranates because they're a deciduous tree. You can plant them right through the winter. If you find them in the nurseries now, they'll probably have leaves on them, but pretty soon those leaves will fall off, and you can plant them either bare root or container stock and put them in the ground right now, and they're just going to be great. And they grow quickly, and within a few short years, you'll start having some fruit, and uh, they're they're amazing. I love them. The pomegranate. Yes. And are there multiple varieties of pomegranate? Can you get, you know, like you have endless varieties of citrus. Is there a lot of different varieties of, you know, of pomegranate fruit stock? There are. In fact, I, there's there's some two different types in where they're grown natively. In, in, uh, they're, they're originally from the uh, Iran to India is kind of the band of a geographic band where they grow. My parents were in the Peace Corps in Afghanistan, and in 1974, I went there and was introduced one morning at breakfast to this big, tall, two-quart pitcher full of this dark purple liquid, and I, I, when I found out it was pomegranate juice, I, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. It was the most <laughs> beautiful, luscious drink I'd ever had. But back there in Afghanistan, uh, they grow pomegranates like we grow citrus here. It's a, it's a cash crop, an agricultural crop that they, you know, they, they uh, cultivate there. But it's, uh, yeah, they have two different types. There's some that are a harder 
harder seeds and a little different type of fruit, and there's a, a softer fruited tree. That, but here in Arizona, you're likely to find that just a, a single variety uh, that that produces a nice sized fruit. They do have ornamental shrubs, pomegranate shrubs that d- don't produce that produce a very small little fruit. Be careful that you don't get that ornamental. Be sure you're you're asking for one that produces a, a mature if fruit is edible what you're going fruit. for. Yes, right. If you're looking for that. If not, that would make a great uh, shade oh, yeah. scrub, Absolutely. a shade screen yeah, sure. on that. Put oh, a couple of those together instead of oleanders. That would be a great alternative. They do. They're, they're a great, they'd be a great shade, shade tree or a, a, a privacy screen. We, In fact, that's what we use ours for. We have a little kind of a garden at the back of our, our backyard, and we liked, we wanted to screen it from the rest of the yard so it was kind of a hidden garden, and it's done a great job for us in that way. Did you just say you have a secret garden? We do. Nice. Yeah. Where are you growing it? <laughs> well, it's actually a secret garden where you go to just enjoy being away. A little from book reading. Everybody else. Yes, right. It's a little, yeah, a little hammock. Walk through a little pathway, and it goes in behind the big pomegranate tree. Place for and a it sits iced tea stand little, with a little lemon and some mint stuck little, in it. A <laughs> little bench back there, and a little hidden, um, a little place to get away. Nice. Well, we were, uh, we have time. We got. Well, let's sneak Joyce into the conversation real quick at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Joyce, good morning. Good morning. How are both of you today? It's beautiful out there. Doing great, thank you. Yes. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about my pomegranate tree. Uh, mine's in a container and uh, doing beautifully. But next to the black wall, I have uh, a black-eyed lazy Susan or black-eyed Susan vine, and it's starting to wrap around my pomegranate tree up on the top, more or less. Mm -hmm. Should I get that off of there? Yeah, you really really should. Whenever you have any kind of vines near your trees that, that want to climb up into the trees, they will use your tree as a scaffold. And they'll climb, and they'll usually compete for sunlight. And after a short time, they'll start blocking the sun to, to your tree and uh, cause some real issues that way. So, yeah, usually best to um, leave the vines growing on the trunk and the lower part of the tree. But once they get up into the branches and start climbing above, then best to cut them out. Join the conversation at one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Talking Trees with ISA Certified Arborist John Eisenhower of Integrity Tree Service. You can join the conversation at one 767 4348 That's one Do you hear all those falling leaves? Rosie for you. Is that what that's supposed that's to be? That's what we're Got it. I was, trying to, I was <laughs> trying to figure out that tie-in. Falling leaves. Nice job, Gary. <laughs> yeah, falling Wake leaves. Wake up. They're a beautiful thing. That was a huge hit in 1957, Roger Williams. Huge hit. I'm kidding. I'm serious, dude. <laughs> it was. That's right. I remember that. Yes, sir. That's dating me. But I was. Well, I won't rub it in that I wasn't born yet then, so <laughs> we'll move on to our trees. You have an entire list of notes here. I can see that. Uh, how far down that are we? Have we even scratched the surface oh, on that? We're just getting started. I did want to mention uh, holiday lights this time of year. If you do plan to put up holiday lights, a couple of tips. Don't use nails or staples or wire or anything else that's going to damage the the tree itself. 
those wounds can be uh, you know, entry points for disease pathogens, insects, and also they just destroy the ability for the tree to uptake water and nutrients if you're damaging the cambium. So be real, be real careful. Uh, we recommend using gardening tape or twine. It's a lot easier uh, uh, to on the tree. And also try to remove the, the lights. Probably the worst damage that uh, holiday lights create is when people leave them on for multiple seasons. Acts like a boa constrictor on your exactly. Yeah, trunk then or the, limbs. The, as those limbs get larger in diameter, uh, the, those um, ties, those lights will start to girdle around the branches and cause some real serious uh, problems with the trees. So best to take them down every year. I know it's a lot of work to put them back up, but... If you choose to leave them on multiple years, you ought to wrap them very loosely around the branches to allow the, 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 the tree to grow. I like the people that just take a light bulb and shine it on the tree. So you got a red tree here and a well, now green they're... tree there and a blue tree here. You don't have to worry about going and stringing. When I saw that, I thought, gosh, that's brilliant. And then you can do your colored strings on your house that's easier to put on and remove instead of trying to wrap them in, in through your trees. I thought that's brilliant. Yeah, these lights, they are a dramatic effect in the yard and beautiful. People love to love to put them up. Nowadays, a lot of people are going to the lasers, too, which is kind of a cheat, you know, where they get the little laser lights that, that throw those little flickers of light all up underneath your tree canopy, and, and they move around, and those are pretty cool. Are you familiar with those? I'm, I'm oh, trying to goodness. visualize that. I, I can't. Yeah, just the last year or so, um, people are really using those. And then you don't have to touch the trees at all, but you, you can use them as a dramatic backdrop to this nice. a kind of a light show underneath. And I might be kind of heading that direction because it's <laughs> a pretty, there's some, I've seen some really neat ones that are uh, pretty beautiful. If you've got a nice tree canopy, those lights will be dancing off of all those branches. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about pruning. Uh, just remember that this time of year, as the temperatures are dropping, uh, your, uh, your pruning should be dropping as well. The amount, that is the percentage of foliage that you're removing from your, your plants, should decrease as the temperatures are decreasing. So you can do a little bit of light grooming this time of year. Some of your more vigorous trees, like your mesquites that you prune back in May and June, they might just be screaming for a little attention right now because they grow so fast. And with this, you know, uh, mild temperatures that we've had, trees just continue to grow here in Arizona. We don't have a, a real... Uh, dormancy where things shut down in, in September and you know like this week 87 degrees the growing season and the soil temperatures are nice and warm they continue right through till uh, uh, you know this time of year so you can do a little bit of light pruning some uh, end weight reduction on your mesquite trees try to kind of keep them um, uh, uh, you know tie them over until their annual pruning cycle again next uh, May, May and June so they might need a little bit of mid-year attention. But other than that, be real careful, especially your frost-sensitive trees. Be, be careful not to be uh, taking their winter coat off. Uh, our, our flowering trees and shrubs uh, need to just be left alone right now. Uh, and Because if we do get some frost damage, uh, you don't want to have just removed the outer foliage because they'll freeze even deeper into the uh, larger wood inside the plant. So... If, they, if you leave them nice and full this time of year and they get a little bit of frost damage, the frost damage will occur out in the outer parts of the, of the tree or shrub, and you can trim that off safely in the spring and still have a plant left. But if you trim them back too heavily, they could be really severely damaged in a frost. And we may not get that frost on the desert floor this 
this winter. We didn't get one last year. My citrus grew all year long. It's mm. like I had two different growth cycles. My Anna apples never lost mm-hmm. their leaves. We didn't get any peaches because there wasn't enough chill hours. But usually what that means after two or three years of that, then we get that hard snap and <laughs> catches yeah. everyone else off guard. Pipes yeah. are busted and we're cutting them back down to the root stock on our lemon trees because they <laughs> everything's frozen. Yeah, we to had the core. that really hard frost in 2007, another one in 2011, but we really haven't had a, a, we're, a bad we're one due since coming. then. Yeah, probably are. It usually cycles through every several four or five years. So, yeah, we are due. We'll hope, hopefully it's not too severe. Uh, but like I said, if you if your plants are are uh, allowed to grow a little more uh, luxuriantly now, uh, they they'll they'll uh, be uh, you will have prepared them for that that uh, possible heavy frost. So keep them nice and full if you can. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie for you as we get to Margaret, who wants to talk about Italian cypress. Welcome to the program. Hi. Yes, I have some uh, four Italian cypress, but uh, I have these brown spots, you know. So I don't know what to do. I wonder if it those kind of might. Yeah, Italian cypress are uh, pretty well adapted to our climate, and a lot of people like to grow them, but they are susceptible to spider mites. And yeah, spider mites. Yeah, they, and you, you do need to get them looked at by a, a qualified uh, a pest control applicator, someone who can come in and uh, diagnose that and, and, and spray treat them chemically. It's really the best way to control them. You can uh, also help the, the plants by just uh, dosing them with a really good, strong stream of, of water uh, that can just bust up the, the party, so to speak, because those spider mites will get in and create these little webs. And uh, you, if you can get in there and spray, the, uh, depending on how tall they are, with smaller ones, we can hit them with a nice, you know, strong spray of water, and that can uh, sometimes give you the control that you need without going to chemicals. But if you have a larger plant, you know, you might need to get with a uh, qualified uh, pest control company. And Italian cypress are used in a lot of areas where you may not have room for a big canopy, but you're looking for some kind of tree. They're very, they're they're the ones that just grow straight up, and they straight look up. You see them in. Yeah. In every cemetery in across the entire <laughs> state. If you want to know what Italian cypress is, just pay attention when you cross a, a cemetery. And a lot of times they're cut uh, to have a flat top. Very strange, like yeah, Mediterranean well, look. But I, mm-hmm. th- that's one of those things like palm trees. I, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they all just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, they're, they can be pretty temperamental. They're difficult to, to manage sometimes. They, they sometimes... Uh, the branches will splay out, and then they're hard to contain. People want to wrap them up to kind of, uh, you know, keep those uh, branches from growing outward. And uh, and then you've got a, 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 the difficulty of having to maintain them in that bundled shape for the rest of their lives. And, yeah, it's it's tough to, to maintain them sometimes. Eric next on the line, calling in from Buckeye. Welcome to the program, sir. Good morning. Yes, sir. Okay, um, I have a question about fruit trees, you know, especially the plums and nectarine, you know, this kind of trees. I buy them, and in the beginning of the fall, they start growing vigorously, and when the summer hits, they start flowering, and then as the temperature go higher, the leaves start falling, the flower fall, and by the end of the summer, they're just completely dead. That happened to me almost four seasons in a row. 
Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It, 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 I don't know what your cultural conditions are, and, and sometimes the, there could be an issue with overwatering. I know when the summer comes along, it's a tendency to want to be sure that they're, they're making it through, and when they start to get a little bit of a, of, of a leaf uh, burn, uh, then people want to water to make sure that they are compensating for that. But then they end up overwatering, and then that sets up conditions for fungal pathogens to get active. And it's a it's a, a, a real typical cycle. I'm not sure that's what's happening in your case, but you know when I I hear you say that they they start languishing in the summer and then they they go dead when plants die in the summer, and and you know it's not due to underwatering. Quite often, it's due to overwatering. So. Uh, best of luck with you, too. If you if you need to get a certified arborist to come out and kind of analyze your soil conditions, we could do a soil analysis, send it in for a laboratory, and, and determine if there's um, maybe some pathogens in the soil. Occasionally, there are, are fungal pathogens that are active in the soil, and if you keep planting trees back into those same spots, uh, they will, as soon as the, the, the uh, roots grow outside of the planting con container mix into the native soil, uh, then they contract the disease and 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 die, and we've had you know uh, similar situations where a a, um, a customer of ours will put in trees multiple times to have the same end, and the trees continue to die, and we found out that it's a pathogen in the soil, and you need to put a a non-susceptible uh, tree species into that location so that it's it can um, you can at least have a plant in that spot. And you do a lot of coaching and classes and training. I know. Greg Peterson, our urban farmer that you've gotten a lot of years from, he does his fruit tree uh, seminars. I know you're out sure. in Buckeye, but you can do that online, or you can come into Central Phoenix where his urban farm is and sign up for one of his classes. He'll he'll walk you through that. He really has a heart and wants to see people be successful. And, uh, I don't know the size of the trees you're messing with, but man, I'm I'm I know it doesn't give you the instant gratification, but I'm a big fan of going from rootstock or, or five gallons because you're mm -hmm. then starting the tree small, and for the majority of its life, it gets acclimated at a very young age instead of putting in this big, huge box tree that, you know, all of a sudden you're dropping in this native soil, and it, it's it's kind of like a shock. You almost seems like as many years it was in that container is as many years as it takes to adapt to a transplant, and I'm, I I like the small and the rootstock for starters. Yeah, if you can, uh, if you've got the time to 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 coach them through a few those earlier years, there it's really really re rewarding. And yeah, they uh, sometimes those ones that have have gotten established in that area as a young tree, they 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 have a long healthy life as opposed to containerized trees that are larger, who might have a little harder time transitioning. I'm not to say you can't make that work. I just if you have the time, that's that's a personal preference there. Yes. Well, we have a, um, I wanted to mention before we, and we can continue this in the next segment, I wanted to talk a little bit about the reasons why I'm thankful for trees. Being that this is a Thanksgiving week coming up next mm -hmm. week, I just am so grateful for trees. It not only has provided a livelihood for my family, but, you know, ever since I was a kid, I have loved trees, and there's a lot of good reasons why. Okay, well, we will we will save those for the for the last segment here at Rosie on the House. We'll jump out a few seconds early and give you a few seconds uh, to expound on that on the on the final segment here in the Talking Trees Hour at Rosie on the House. Autumn turns to winter, and then winter turns to spring. 
It's not just the season, you know it goes for everything. It's even true for voices when boys begin to grow. You gotta take I'm waiting. Let's hear it. All the reasons you're thankful for trees. I have one on here. I'm gonna. I'm curious if uh, if you're gonna hit this one. I I thought. Well, you know what? What am I most thankful for trees for? And I don't know if this is my most thankful one, but I got one to share. But uh, after you, sir. Well, there are so many good reasons to be thankful for trees. I mean, the list goes on and on. But the three that really came to my mind this morning was that trees are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, they just create amazing spaces, amazing places. You know, landscapes are really defined by trees, if you think about that, as we look around the city, as we're, you know, uh, walking through our neighborhoods. Uh, they, they, they create the most majestic landscape views. They frame our streets. They shade our gardens. They're silhouetted against the skyline in, in, in multiple pictures that you see. The most beautiful pictures are featuring... Of landscape, uh, uh, of landscape photos, often contain trees because they're so majestic and awesome. Uh, even the ones that you know, you mentioned uh, 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 Patagonia and and uh, and Sonoita, That area, I love those those oak trees that dot the hillsides out there. They're just so amazing. Even up, I I, I thought of Northern California. The the oak trees, the the valley oaks there. Um, and the coast live oaks, you know, dot the hillsides there too. It's just they're they're amazing, um, but they're a major. They're a big part of our um, the natural beauty that we enjoy every day. And I'm just, you know, in this spirit of Thanksgiving, I just want to say a big yay, yay trees. We uh, uh, they they really uh, have such a major contribution aesthetically to our to our lives. And and uh, the research shows that 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 aesthetic contribution that they make to our lives has a lot to do with our health, our, our sense of well-being. They actually say that it reduces crime in neighborhoods that have trees as opposed to tr- neighborhoods that don't. Uh, it increases uh, your, uh, the actual amount of money people spend in uh, retail outlets that have trees as opposed to those that don't. I mean, there's something about trees that, that, that really encourage, uh, um, the, if you will, the heart of man. And that's why we talk trees every uh, second Saturday of the month with John Eisenhower, well, certified ISA arborist. And d- I think it's time. Yeah, there's there's good reason that we should wax um, philosophical uh, today for every now and then. Talk practical issues with trees, but it's, it's kind of fun to uh, to think through some of the reasons why we like them. Here, are you ready for mine? Okay, you go for it. Campfire. <laughs> That's right. They do contain some BTUs as well. Yes. <laughs> Getting around the campfire. Isn't that we, something? we love having little backyard fires and our uh you know, you just put a few logs on there, light it up and it I mean, phones go off, people come out and sit out there. There's just there's something about a campfire that draws you, you can't resist it. Well, and, and if that setting also has trees around, I my my fondest memories of campfires is up at my parents' cabin in Pine, uh, you know, in a wonderful ponderosa pine forest and the... The, the, the aromas of our little, the ponderosa. Sure, and your s'mores and sitting around having a, a beautiful time in, in the woods. And yeah, the, I mean, woods and campfires go hand in hand. That, that's a, a tremendous. One of the other reasons I love trees is that they are, they're, um, they're strong. Think about this. 
They're large, they're tall, they're bigger than us. They sometimes live longer than us. They're, they kind of are, are reminding us that there's, you know, there's, uh, to, to think ahead, you know, they're, think beyond ourselves, beyond our little, our little own little world here. Uh, trees are, are kind of a reminder. They're kind of, you know, just like the, that Italian cypress. That they grow very, very tall, uh, skyward. That's sort of why they're so popular in cemeteries. They're kind of directing a, our eyes skyward, you know, maybe heavenward, if you will. Uh, why they're so popular for that reason. Trees, for that reason, are, are kind of lifting our eyes up off of our mundane existence to something higher. Uh, they inspire us to, to have aspirations that go beyond uh, just ourselves and our own, um, our own maybe self-centered world that we often live in. So for that reason, I'm grateful for trees. They're keeping us uh, focused on things outside ourselves. How about that? Uh, amen. I love that. The last thing, and it, yeah, you know, when I was um, in going through, uh, my, my wife and I are both English majors uh, and got graduated from ASU, reading Emerson and Thoreau and Keats and Shelley and Byron. So is that books? Is that what you're thinking? These are all, is that what you, is no, that these are all authors. These are all <laughs> American and British authors. And the romantics, you know, were always, you know, celebrating nature. And uh, uh, some of them, unfortunately, um, mistook God for a tree. Uh, so we have to be careful that we're not going that direction so far. <laughs> but I, uh, there's something about nature that is uh, uh, that that is is incredibly inspiring, and and I think for that reason we're uh, uh, we're grateful and thankful this time of year. This last uh, point I wanted to make is that trees are good. Uh, they they have an actual contribution to our our well-being in terms of sequestering carbon. Through the process of photosynthesis, they're 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 converting carbon dioxide uh, uh, into uh, uh, food sources for the tree to live and be healthy. And at the same time, the byproduct of that is oxygen, from which we live. If it weren't for trees and the plants around us, we wouldn't have the oxygen we, we need to be able to 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 uh, to live our our lives. So they are contributing all the time, sequestering those the carbon dioxide, but carbon monoxide as well and uh, contributing to our lives. So for that reason, and in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I say, yay, trees. Um, glad we have them, and let's keep supporting them. Increase our urban forest tree canopy and, and uh, live um, uh, in the beauty of the trees around us.